This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Thanks for being here today. Um, I want to give you guys a couple of reminders before we step in today's message. The first one is that Connect Groups began this last week. Um, how many people started a Connect Group this last week? How many people enjoyed that Connect Group? It was really cool. There is still time if you would like to join Connect Groups. Um, so go on to um, our Church Center app or whatever, and you can register on there and join. It's really cool because I don't know about you, but a lot of times I just come in and don't relate to a lot of people and then leave. And the whole point of this is community. So connect groups are a great way to know one another. Um, second thing is that next week is Easter Sunday. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Easter Sunday. Um, there's been a lot of things being worked on so that this environment is going to be a lot of fun as we celebrate um, the rising of our Savior. But I encourage you to come. Invite somebody, a family, family, like, uh, family friend, coworker, whatever. Invite, invite somebody. And the reason is because I don't think a lot of times we spend enough time celebrating our risen king. Like, we know he did it, but, like, we don't take enough time to chew on that fact and go, man, this changes my life completely. So I'd encourage you to be there. Um, invite somebody, like I said. Anyway, with that being said, turn your neighbor and say, you ready? ready? Come on, say, you ready? ready? All right, I'm just warning you on the forefront. I need a little more energy. I'm not trying to knock on you, but, like, yeah. I need, let's try it one more time. Turn your neighbor and say, you ready? There we go. That's better. Okay. This week, we're stepping into week two of a series we're calling Relationship 101. If you were here last week, you missed out on an amazing message. So I encourage you to go back and check it out on podcast or YouTube. Um, Pastor Kevin unveiled the heartbeat for this series um, in such an amazing way. And honestly, I think it's something that all of us need to actually consider more. My mind was, was just this week, continually going back to what he talked about. So if you missed it, go back and listen to it. Even if you did hear it, go back and listen to it again. Because I think a lot of times the Bible says we're supposed to meditate on the words of God, the truths of God. And a lot of us don't meditate on anything but social media. You know who you are or Wordle or whatever you guys are addicted to in our staff. Um, anyway, last week, Pastor Kevin said that every healthy relationship flows out of your right and healthy relationship with God. That's super good. Every healthy relationship flows out of your right and healthy relationship with God. In other words, if you can't have healthy relationship with the one who created you and created relationships, how are you supposed to have healthy relationship with anybody else? So that's like that in and of itself is a lot to chew on. And you have to go, no, how's my relationship with God doing? And last week, again, we learned God is the perfect illustration of every relationship that we can have. And that's amazing because it doesn't give you excuses to not be better because God has shown you how to do it and he can repair any broken relationship that you have. So again, go back and listen. Today, my hope is to actually continue to build upon this idea of of relationships. And I'm excited for the series in multiple, for multiple reasons, but one of the biggest ones is just the fact that we all know relationships can be one of the most amazing life-giving things that we experience on this planet. They also can be one of the worst, most tension-filled things. Anybody said amen to that, right? You're like, one minute, like, you and your spouse are great, and the next minute you're like, I don't understand why they hate me, but we'll figure it out, I guess, right? Like, we all have been there. It's like, it's hard. You, like, walk in, like, the day before your coworker and you were just, like, having the greatest time. You're like, I don't know. They woke up on the wrong side of bed, and they need Jesus today. But anyway, we, we, want, to, we want to step into this, and we want to try to give some practical advice, hence, hence why we're calling it Relationship 101. We all know that a 101 course means what? We're going back to the basics, the fundamentals. And so in this series, we're doing something we really haven't done hardcore before, and we're doing kind of this fly-by overview of all sorts of different relationships. So last week was Relationship with God. This week's going to be something I'm going to unveil in a second. 
But we're going to cover things like dating, marriage, friendship, parents to kids, kids to parents, and just fly by all these different relationships specifically. We don't want to talk in general form. We want to actually address relationships you're in. So I encourage you to come back and bring somebody with you because as we do this, our goal is to look to God and his word to discover and remind ourselves the purpose of relationships, the principles to navigate relationships, and his expectation of our role within relationships. And that's a lot, but, but that's our goal of this series. So with all that in mind, today we're talking about, you ready for this? You ready for this? We're talking about singleness. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you, uh, you single and ready to mingle? I, I heard very few people say that. Say you single and ready to mingle? And if you said it, hopefully you said it to your spouse. Otherwise, you probably just caused some relational tension somewhere up in there. So uh, you single or ready to mingle. Anyway, I am going to talk about singleness today. And let me preface, because some of you are already ready to check out of this message. I have wrestled for the last couple months knowing I was going to preach on this. And in doing so, I have thought of a lot of objections that you possibly could think of that you're like, I, I'm not single, so I don't, have to, I don't have to be here, right? Like, I can leave. No, um, I don't think that you should leave. So my first objection, the main objection I think we all have is that I'm not single. I am currently dating or married, so this doesn't apply to me. And I, in some ways, you're totally right. But in, in prepping for this, knowing that I'm speaking to a diverse audience of all different ages, all different seasons of life, I wanted to make sure that I preface on the forefront before you check out why this matters to every single one of you. So for the first thing, for my dating peeps, some of you who are dating or contemplating dating really actually need to hear this message because maybe you should still be single, Okay. And that may be funny, but it's just a reality. If you're dating, you may need to be single. And there's like a plethora of reasons why this could be the case. Maybe you're in a situation where you're not the right person for that person and they're not the right person for you. And that's not bad. Like that's not bad on either of you. At the end of the day, there's someone better for you possibly. So you have to consider, am I dating for the right reasons? Another one is that you just might not plain be, like you may not plain be ready to be in a relationship. Like you just, you're not in that season of life. And I'm not speaking this on a judgmental note. I'm speaking from a personal note of, I have experienced both of these seasons in my life. I have ended a relationship or possible relationship because people that I valued came and said, like, you can do better, or like, they didn't probably say it about the other person, but really, I, they, the other person could do better than me, too. I wasn't the right fit. And so, and it's funny, too, because thinking back, I realized, no, I actually probably just like the idea of dating more than I actually like the person I was trying to date, right? It's just like that, that infatuation of this type of relationship. Um, another reason, um, like I said, was that you could just not be playing ready. And honestly, I broke up with my now wife, Allie, because of this reason. And I spent time away from dating her because I was just not ready for that relationship. And I don't know if she would agree that she was not ready or not. She was probably always ready. But anyway, you, there's just seasons in our life where you have to go, no, I'm not ready. So Again, I, my prayer is that if you're dating or you're contemplating dating somebody and it's not God's will, that he would check your spirit in this message and that you would have the guts to make the hard decision in this moment now before you have to make it later down the road when it hurts worse, okay? Second reason or second response to this objection, this is my married peeps, just because you are married doesn't mean you shouldn't hear about being single. Why? Because healthy couples are comprised of healthy individuals, Healthy couples are comprised of healthy individuals. So before you think you can just skate out of here, go, no, actually, like, if I'm not a healthy single individual, then I'm not going to make our couple healthy together. And really, this is, this is like a big case that all of us have to deal with. In my marriage, it's hilarious how many times, like, if Allie would just fix this, things would be better. And I'm going, no, actually, if I would just focus on myself and fix this, things would probably be better. And all the wives in the room said amen, right? 
Thanks, babe. Okay, third response. This is, to, this is to all my peeps, okay? Just because you aren't single doesn't mean you don't or won't have influence in the life of someone who is single. And this is, this is huge because I think we can be so focused on our little world and what's going on in our life that we forget God called us to be an influence in any other life around us. We cannot, we cannot skirt that responsibility. And so what I want us to understand today is that society and culture in many ways have put stigmas, some marks of disgrace on this idea of singleness. And the church should be the first ones in line to help change that narrative for people. We should support, aid, and help create healthy, secure, powerhouse, single people. And I'm not talking about starting a single ministry at RLC. I'm talking about you being in ministry wherever you are called to go. And so you may, you may right now have the opportunity or you will eventually have the opportunity to be a friend, parent, grandparent, mentor, coworker of a single person. And a powerfully, powerful thing to take away today is that God puts you there to be a voice of help so that they are not lonely and a voice of wisdom so they do not act foolishly in that season. Because in desperation to get out of that season, you can miss the very thing God let, allowed you to be in it for. So I just want to I just want to put that out there because we, again, like we have a diverse audience today. Some of you have been married and now you are in a widow situation or a divorce situation. And that's totally fine. And so you're going to look at this idea of singleness differently. Some of you are parents and you're raising single people and you're like, I'm so excited for this message. Some of you are preparing parents and you're eventually going to have like someone you're going to have to deal with in 10 years. And you're like, no, you can't date this person. Put this in your bag now. It's the stones for the stones for later. So you're like, no, you cannot, you cannot date this person. So I want to do my best today to share this principle from God's word. And I truly believe there's something for everybody. Not every part of it will be for everybody, but there is a part of it for everybody. Um, and so this could be, bring peace to someone who's single and feels insecure. I preached this message to a youth group of one of my friends. Um, last year, actually, like basically 360 days ago, um, and a youth leader came up to me that I was not even preaching to. I totally had geared this message towards the youth students, and she was like, thank you so much. Like, I needed to hear this. And, and so this could be you today, and you go like, no, like I, I found a new purpose in my singleness, okay? Um, this could bring passion to a single person to not waste their season of singleness. It could help dating people break up and enter a new, se- uh, new season of singleness. It could bring aid to parents raising single people, like I said, and it could even help aid your marriage somehow. So title of my message this morning is The Undervalued Gift. The Undervalued Gift. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love me some gifts. You guys got quiet again. Say, I love me some gifts. God, today we just come before you, God. We thank you uh, for this opportunity, God, to to hear principles from your word. God, I pray right now, God, as I prayed all week, God, I have wrestled with this message. I pray that people's hearts would be open. God, I know that there is something for everybody. God, I pray for the single people. God, I'm preaching this like I'd preach it to my kids in the future, God, that they they would not doubt or worry or or reason away their, their gift of singleness. God, but they would step into it full-blown. God, if there's people dating here who have not made that commitment of marriage, God, and they need to step out, I pray that you give them the confidence and boldness to do so. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said. So by raise of hands this morning, how many people have ever received a gift that, not, like, that never actually got used? You know what I'm talking about? Like, maybe it was like a sweater from your grandma, and you're like, I love you, grandma, but I'll never wear this sweater. Maybe it was a gift that someone was like, this person will love this because they thought they knew you, but actually they don't know you. The gift's horrible, but you can't tell them that it's not a good gift. You know what I'm talking about? You guys are acting judgmental, but I know it's true. Okay. I was thinking about this week, and I was thinking through of all the gifts in my life that I've received and some of my reactions to them. Some of them being like, I absolutely love the gift right? And I used it till it was unusable. Others, I was like, oh, thank you so much. But I ended up giving it to Goodwill 
are just regifting it. Um, others, I was like, I gratefully accepted, but I didn't have like the courage to actually get rid of it, so it just got shoved in my garage or something. And at this point, some of you are trying to like assess the last time you're over, and you're like, I gave, I gave him this, and it's nowhere to be found. It's not, it's not you, it's me, okay? Um, other gifts I received actually were just gifts. I'm like, I love this gift, but I just don't use it, but I don't want to get rid of it because it's cool. You know what I'm talking about? And today I actually brought with me a gift that I want to show you, kind of like an adult show and tell here today. Um, how many people think we should bring a like, show and tell back? Yeah, okay. Anyway, Christiana's like, yes, let's go. Okay. Anyway, I brought this gift with me today, um, and this was a cool gift that I received in a lot of different ways. And I want to give a little bit of context to the, this gift this morning. It is a very nice Invicta watch. And if you know anything about Invicta watches, Invicta watches are very highly expensive and highly reputable watches. So this is a very nice watch. And if you want to look at it after, you can look at it, but you cannot steal it after I tell you the information I'm going to tell you in a second. But anyway, the other cool thing about this watch is most watches are battery powered. This is not a battery powered watch. This is an automatic watch, meaning that it does not run on batteries. It runs on the kinetic energy of you just walking around and moving. So if this thing ever dies, I don't have to replace the battery. I just rewind the dial on the side and it starts working again. That's pretty magical, right? How many people are like, no, that's pretty magical. Now most people are like, I have an Apple watch, so I don't care, but it's fine. Anyway, um, I, when I received this gift, I was like, this gift's like really cool. Um, it's got to be quite a bit of, it's got to be worth quite a bit, right? And so I started looking into how much this watch was worth. And I ended up coming across, after looking up um, by the number on it, that this watch, MSRP value of this watch is $3,295. Like, I thought your reaction would be more. I thought people would be rushing up here to smug me to take this watch. Okay, I did think about reselling it, but, you know, it, it's not worth this much. But that's a lot of money. Am I, am I wrong? It's a good amount of money. The funny thing about this watch is I actually never wear this watch. It actually just sits in a, a closet in my hallway at my house in a box that I forget about very often. And side note, it will not be there anymore because if you come over, I know all y'all will be like, I'm going to the bathroom, and then I'm going to find you pillaging through my closet to steal this watch. But the reason I'm telling you this morning is because I wanted to, I wanted to um, pair a practical illustration to represent how most of us often approach being single. And I want that to just seek in for a second because a lot of times um, we approach being single in a wasted way. And with this watch, most of you might go like, well, it's kind of a waste that this is sitting in your hallway closet. My dad's going, give it to me because it's going to look better on me anyway. Am I right? I, I kind of heard him. Yeah, I was just waiting. This was in my notes to say this part, but I was just thinking, Dad's gonna be like, "Give it to me." Okay. The rest of us, though, you're like, "That's that's like not like that's kind of wasteful in in different ways." But honestly, I think in so many ways, this represents how we use the gift of singleness. It's often unused. It's forgotten about. It's overlooked, and and we honestly undervalue the gift that it could be. And so, what I want us to understand today from the get go is that singleness, whether for a season or for a lifetime, is always a gift. And your perspective on singleness is anything other than a gift is a missed opportunity. So singleness is always a gift. And if you were like me when I was single, you're like, I understand, Trent, you're trying to like get us to view singleness differently, but it just doesn't really feel like a gift. And like, I, I, I totally felt that way when I was single. And honestly, I think culturally, in a lot of ways, culturally, this is what people tell us about singleness, right? Um, and I think a lot of times actually in culture, and this could just be my perspective, but when singleness is mentioned, it's because they're talking about singleness as almost something to be overcome, right? They celebrate you being single despite, or doing something despite being single. It's almost a negative or a hindrance. And that's not what God says about singleness. 
I actually got directly from his word, the, like his, the Bible, the word gift to describe singleness. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's going to be on the screen, but I want to read just 16 verses to you this morning. But first, I want to give you a little bit of context. Paul was the author of this letter, and if you know who Paul was, Paul was one of the greatest impactors of of the church that we know today other than Jesus, right? And Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and Corinth at that time was, was, was described as a locus of political power. It was a big deal city, okay? And in Corinth, that what you have to understand is it was a very diverse culture. A lot of different religions and beliefs is existing side by side. And most importantly, probably for this message, is there was a big environment of prostitution. So there was actually temples, cult, cult temples that supported prostitution. And then there was like just common prostitution because this was a huge port city. So a lot of people traveled through. And so prostitution was this massive thing. So when Paul is writing this, he is confronting all sorts of issues, one of, it, one of them being sexual immorality. And then what we're about to read, he starts to talk specifically about marriage, singleness, and, and then widowers. So it, he, he starts to cover this gambit of, of relationship topics. And I want to focus focus today on the idea of singleness. So, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 this morning, it says this, now for the matters that you wrote about, and let me say off the bat, Paul, um, we don't have the letter that the, the Corinthians wrote Paul in regards to this. We just have Paul's response. So we can assume that they asked a question in regards to singleness and marriage. He says, now for the matters that you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. I'm going to just preface on the beginning. Paul can almost come across like he's against marriage in this passage, but I'm skipping all the parts where it shows that he's not against it. So I'm just, just forewarning you. Otherwise, I'll take the next half an hour just to read this text. Okay. Skip down to verse seven. He says that I wish that all of you were as I am. And Paul was single at this point. There's some theories that Paul might've been married at one point in time, but he was single at this point. And he said, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift. Yeah. Crowd participation. And another has that. What I want you to understand right here, Paul labels singleness something that I don't think the world has ever truly accepted, and that is that singleness is a gift. Skipping down to verse 17, 10, 10 verses. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned, the, assigned to them just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all churches. And skipping down to verse 25, just 10 more verses. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, say present crisis, I think that is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. And all married people are like, why didn't you tell me this sooner? <laughs> Mine, Ali's marriage is like really good. So don't feel like I'm just knocking on marriage either. I might be sleeping on the couch later. You can text me tonight and pray for me. Anyway, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that um, the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they um, were not, which is like, what? Um, those who buy something as if, it, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. 
and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. Last verse this morning. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live a right way. Live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, I know a lot was just read, okay? And Paul's not advocating for you to become a nun or a monk in this, in this passage of Scripture, okay? What I want to point out, though, is Paul does not, that does not say singleness is bad. He doesn't say singleness is better than marriage, and he doesn't say marriage is better than singleness. He just labels each of them as a gift. And I think it's important to know because singleness is typically, like I said, not labeled as a gift. And a lie that actively occupies the mind of single people in this passage, or that this passage confronts, is this. That being single is waiting for something better, when in reality, something better is waiting for you right now. I just want that to sink in. Being, like being single, you're like, man, it's waiting for something better. Like eventually I'll get to be a part of that. When in reality, no, something good's waiting for you right now. So with that in mind, I want to give us four reasons how and four reasons why the, the gift of singleness, or the singleness is a gift. Sorry, I'm, I'm mushing my words together today. So number one this morning is how is singleness a gift? It's, it's a gift because you can work on completing you. Why? Because someone else cannot complete you later. Work on completing you because someone else cannot complete you later. And I think whether we want to own up to it or not, every single single person that has ever walked the face of the earth has been guilty at one point of daydreaming and fantasizing of the future where they're in this relationship where life is so much better, right? Food tastes better, like work is less stressful, life is more adventure-oriented, like all these different things. And all y'all might be like, no, that was not the case. You're lying, okay? All of us at one point was like, this is great. And my favorite one is like, oh, my relationship will be nothing like my parents because me and my my, my special someone will be perfect. So we all have none of their issues, right? And, and so we, we find ourselves in this situation. And the question I want to ask today is why? And in a bit of a sarcastic, um, in, a, in a bit of a sar- sarcastic response to this, I actually think the reason, one of the biggest reasons why is Disney. And I'm not kidding. If you think through Disney and all the movies they've made over there, Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Little Mermaid, all of them have this common theme of, of tainting the idea of love. See, in, 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 in Disney, they have painted love as something that swoops in and fixes all single princesses' problems, right? They portray love in a way that removes the characters from their weary, dreary, and unmeaningful lives. And in reality, like, yes, in some ways that may be true, but in other ways, like, no, that is not the case at all. And today's culprit for this generation is Frozen, okay? How many people have seen Frozen? Okay, in the beginning of Frozen, right, we see that it's like little love stories start to happen, and they start singing this song called... No, that's way later, dude. That's nothing to do with love, okay? Love is an open door, people, okay? So if you know it this morning, let's sing it together. Love is an open. See you next line, love is an open. It's on the screen, there we go. Come on. Thank you, Naomi. All right, all of you are not going to be a part of a future church choir in any regard, okay? So what I, the reason I, I'm pointing this song out today is because there's a subtle subtle kind of lie in, the, in, this, in this song. And it's this last line that life can be so much more with you. And reality is like when they're singing this song, they're talking about life can be more than what it is in this current state because of the opposite, opposite sex person they want to be in a relationship with. Which in some ways marriage does make life more. It also just makes life different. But the lie is singleness think, single people oftentimes think that love or a relationship will, make, will bring more wholeness to their life, when in reality, it's just going to bring more problems. 
Like really, we go, man, I can't wait because this season's gonna be so much better and you're forgetting everything that surrounds that season. See, we think this, this is my equation. Next slide, please. Is that my broken half plus their broken half equals wholeness when in reality, my broken half plus their broken half just equals double the broken, right? We, we, we sit there and go, no, like it's gonna be all better. They're gonna complete me and all this stuff. Like, like I said, food will taste better. And in reality, no, life's just gonna get harder. And so what I want to bring to your attention today is I think it's a bit out of context, but I believe Paul's observation in 1 Corinthians actually encapsulates this in, in, in this text today. So again, verse 25, he says, Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. He says, Because of this present crisis, I think it is good for man to remain as he is. Skip down to verse 28. He says, But those who will marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you of this. Now we have to ask, what is Paul getting at? What present crisis is he talking about? What trouble is he labeling? And within the context of this passage, you have to understand that Christianity looked a whole lot different than what it looks like in the United States of America today. See, and back then, one commentator actually noted that 10 years after when Paul wrote this was when Nero blamed Christians for setting the city on fire, and then he actually mercilessly just slaughtered Christians, like by like hanging them at night and lighting them on fire to light the streets, like just terrible things. So when Paul is saying this within this context, he's going, as a Christian, it's already going to be really hard when you get married. Not only are you going to be worried about your own life, you're going to have to worry about theirs and possibly your kids that you have too because of this persecution. But just because that was the context does not mean it does not apply to us today. See, the situation may be different, but the principle stays the same. Married people will face many troubles. The word troubles in the Greek speaks of tribulation, affliction, and pressures. Marriage is an absolute gift in so many different ways. But with it brings maybe not more more troubles, but a whole new set of troubles. And as a single person or even a married person, we need to remember that a spouse cannot fix our problems. And even if they do help alleviate some, they're going to bring a whole new set of problems with them. There's only one person that can fix you and your problems, and that person is God, and you have to choose to let him fix you. And so what I want single people to grasp today is if you spend your time now as single, just ignoring your issues, hoping that one day someone else will complete you, you're going to wake up and then have to fix those issues in marriage rather than enjoying the relationship. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Allie and I, in so many ways, have an amazing relationship, and I think we have grown by the day. Like this week we were talking, I was like, no, I feel like we're good. We still have tension just like anybody else would have, but I feel like we're doing good. After we got married, COVID took place, and we went to counseling together because we were with each other so much. It was like, do you even love me anymore? Because it's just like we were just around each other too much. And what's funny is we worked through some problems there. We actually started going to counseling to the same counselor separately because we realized that we had issues within and ourselves that were actually impacting us together. So I'm going to the counselor talking about my issues trying to fix me. Allie's going to the counselor talking about her issues trying to fix her because we know separately we will be better if we fix our own problem. So rather than wasting singleness as just waiting for another season, use it intentionally as a preparation period. And some great places to start, again, and like you could even consider this now if you're married, is how are you responding to your family and friends? How do you resolve conflict now? How do you respond to and handle stress now? The way you respond in those situations is the way you will end up responding to the person that you end up spending the rest of your life with if that's the season that you desire to step into. It does not matter how mushy-gushy you are and how much you love them. That season of, of honeymoon phase will be over and the real you will come out and who will be the real you. Men in the room, and this one's huge.
huge. I tell you students this all the time. I just totally lost my point. Okay, um, you, you don't stop rating women once you're married. Like in high school, like it was super common to be, be checking women out and rating women. That does not magically go away because you add sex to the picture with a spouse. That type of thinking has been ingrained for years. And culturally, it's only getting worse. You turn the TV on and everything involves this type of rating. So men, married or not, this is an issue that you have to go, no, it will not be fixed in marriage. It will be fixed in and of myself. It will be fixed within me. So what if we started viewing singleness as a season for God to make us the best us? And again, for married people today, like you're like, I'm not single, but like this should still be your desire to be the best you Go, am I working on me? Because the marital tension that you're facing probably has to do with you. So uh, step number two this morning is how do we use the gift of singleness? We develop responsibility now. Why? Because if you can't steward one life, how will you be able to steward two plus? And it's funny, this week as I was preparing, I was thinking back to the times when I wanted to be in a relationship in junior high or high school. And my concept of what a relationship was and what it required was so skewed because I could barely manage my homework and chores, let alone steward somebody else's life, right? My favorite question when people ask is like, do you have money to take them on a date? I'm like, oh, well, if I add up my allowance, maybe like, no, like you are not ready to date in that case. I'm sorry. Um, Parents, you can stick that one in the bag. Okay. The reality is relationships don't make life lighter. They just make it heavier. See, every single person needs to assess, and if you're a mentor in their life, a parent, you need to help them assess, are they currently ready with the way they are living their life to step into this relationship? Can they manage it? Can they they support it? The person you so badly want to be with, right, in this relationship is someone made in God's image. They are God's possession, and they were given a God-made purpose as well. And if you can't recognize and steward those things for your own life, how are you going to help steward them for someone else? So again, married people, can you steward your own purpose? You can't go back now and get single to fix it, but you should be figuring out how to steward it now because you can't expect to steward the person that's in your life in that way either. And see, a lot of times we get the equation backwards, and I was actually talking to somebody this week, and they were talking about it's so funny when people add kids to a marriage that's already chaos because they're just inviting in constant chaos. And it's like students, like, I'm talking, like if I'm talking to teens, I'm going, no, like, do you recognize like, you can't manage your own life? How are you going to do this with somebody else? And so Paul actually in our text today hits on this fact as well. In verses 32 through 34, he says, I would like you to be free from what? Concern. He says, an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And if you are a husband, you know just how hard this can actually be, correct? Um, he says, um, and then he says the same thing about the ladies. And then early on in this chapter, in verse 3, Paul says, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife um, to her husband. And the Greek word here for duty means a debt, a duty, something that you have to fulfill out of this debt. So what I want us to understand, and all of you married people already know this, is life is harder when you get married. And it will get easier because in some ways they will help carry the load, but that's only if you are carrying your portion of the load in the relationship. So again, some great places to assess and to start. Can you manage your calendar and your current schedule? Do you know what your priorities are? Do you have character to steward your own life and to make the hard decisions now? Do you consistently spend time with God? Is the way you are living right now setting you up to be the person you ultimately want to be? Your questions to this, married or single, will define the future of your relationship. Your relationship will not magically wake up one day and be better. The third, and this is the, the, good, the good part here, 
Third way you use this gift, and the reason why is because you need to determine your purpose now because a spouse will not determine or fulfill it for you. And if I were to assign each of you this morning the task to write me a 20-page paper of your purpose, detailing the purpose of your life, and I'm not talking about general Jesus-y answers. I'm talking about the specific purpose of your life. Would you be able to fulfill that, that assignment? Like, adequately, would you be able to fulfill that assignment? And the reason I ask this is because I think in general people don't, like, spend enough time seeking God on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis to go, God, what's your purpose for my life? Let alone single people in the phase that they are growing as a human being to try to step into a relationship. And, and it's funny because growing up, there's so many times, and I'm not even trying to be mean, that I dodge bullets. Because looking back now at the people that I was interested in and what they became, I go, there was no way that they supported my purpose, nor did I support their purpose. Like, just putting it plainly out there, like, I, the, it would not have worked. I would have added so much tension to my life. And so one of my greatest fears then when I realized this truth was, I got to find somebody that can, that, that can support my purpose. And now one of my greatest fears, even though I found someone that supports that purpose greater than I could ever imagine because I have the best wife in the world, is that I still get to the end of my life and go, did I fulfill my purpose? That should be a fear that drives you and defines you, married, single, or whatever. You should always be driven by that purpose. And I believe Paul is hitting on this when he says in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 17, he says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in what? Whatever situation the Lord has assigned them, just as God has, come on, people, thank you, called. That's a powerful word. What what has God called you to? He then says, this is a rule I lay down in all the churches. And he says, what um, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, those who do not, those who mourn as if they did not, so forth and so on. This last line, for this world in its present form is passing away. And I love this line because Paul is bringing eternity into the perspective of relationships. And the question is why? Because he recognizes the first and foremost goal of your life is purpose. And some of you go, well, my, my purpose is, is partially my spouse or my kids. And you are right. That is not your sole purpose. And you want to know why I know that? Jesus said that there will be no marriage in heaven. You're going to show up and all, if your purpose is your spouse, you will have failed. You will get to heaven and have lost all that you put in. I don't know what that's going to look like, and I believe God has a purpose for it, but that is not your sole purpose. I wrote it this way. God uses marriages for a purpose, but it is not your sole purpose. With or without marriage relationship, um, without, sorry, with or without a marriage relationship, you have purpose and can fulfill your purpose. And so if that's the case, you need to find your purpose now. And if, even if you're married, like this is, again, for single people, but if you're married, when was the last time you sought your purpose? When was the last time you and your couple sought your purpose together? And I'll never forget a moment in, in high school when, when this became so real to me. And when I, when I grew up in the Reich household, there was some different rules when it came to dating. First one was I could not date until I was 16. I definitely pushed that one a little bit. But dad was gracious in the process. Secondly is I had to date in only group settings. And so long story short, I started getting interested in this girl and pursuing her um, in a relationship. And my dad started to notice that something was off about me. And he went on my Facebook and found out I was totally pursuing this relationship very seriously with this girl. And I had not told him. 
And some of you are like, all right, the belt came out. He was getting a spanking. No, that was not the case. Uh, I was too big at that point. I'm probably taking you down. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but my dad, in so much wisdom, did two things. First off, he, he said, I'm disappointed from what I remember. Um, there was a disappointment in that I had done this. Secondly, he said, if you want this relationship to continue while you're living in my household, these are the rules you'll follow. And then this was the most wise, most, most wise part. He did not make me break up with her. He just said, is this the woman you want to spend the rest of your life with? And will she support and aid your purpose? And it took me a couple weeks, but I broke up with that girl on her birthday, if I remember correctly, which was a horrible idea, but it's fine. She made it in life, I think. Uh, I don't know. But, but at the end of the day, I, I, I remember how hard it was to make that decision. And on, and like, my, like on the surface, my spirit knew. As soon as he said that, I was like, the answer is no. My flesh continued for a while fighting that. But when I came to the reality, I felt so much peace because it was like God was so honored that I chose my purpose in finding the right person to support that purpose over my fleshly desires. And sadly, I think a lot of people don't take time to do this. So now after saying all this, married individuals, I don't want anyone to go, dang it, did I marry the wrong person? Because Romans 8.28 tells us this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So if you are married, you are exactly where you should be, and the question should now become, how am I pursuing my purpose? Do you and your spouse even talk about the goals of your life? Do you and your spouse go, this is what, when we get to our deathbed, what we want to be said about us as a couple? There's power in that. Allie and I don't do it enough, but let me tell you, we have enough conversations about what God's doing in our life and what we see happening that we're constantly, our purpose is pulling each other. Sometimes she's dreaming. I'm like, dang it, Trenton, get it together. Like we got places to go. Like I'm just being serious. And so there's that, that part of going, no, in my marriage, God put you there for a reason. He created you both to do something. So what is that, what is that thing he wants you to do? So the final, final way to use this gift this morning, point number four, is that you pr should pursue God with all of you because he will direct your steps. And sadly, I think more people spend more time looking for and pursuing potential spouse options than they do pursuing the God that created them, knows their purpose, and the God that holds their future in his hands. Matthew 6, tells us, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. What is your focus? What is your reason and I believe this with my whole heart. Pursuing God may limit your dating options, but it will ultimately bring you the best option. Just let that settle in. It may limit your choices on what you want and what you can do, but it will bring you the best option. After this situation, I definitely would be lying if I said that I did not struggle again until I found Allie and, and, and trying to escape the season of singleness. But I will tell you that I did not cross certain boundaries to even entertain something because I was like, no. What's the point of even going down this road? And I remember after graduating high school, I found myself in another season where I, I was getting antsy. And I was like, God, I just want to find that spouse. I want to find that person I can spend the rest of my life with. And during that season, I remember hearing a pastor that told this analogy. And this analogy has stuck with me ever since. And so I want to tell you this analogy, this illustration this morning, because I believe if you're a parent, grandparent, whatever, this is an illustration that will come in handy to use. And this pastor talked about 
Um, first, he kind of painted this picture from what I remember, this, this picture of a track. We've all seen a track, right? It's got the different lanes around it. And he talked about running your life race around this track. And he said your goal in running the, around this track is, is your purpose and God. You are running after your purpose and God. And the beauty of this illustration is there's many other lanes on this track. And so he said if your desire, if the desire of your heart is that you would find a spouse and that you would be married, is that you should keep running your race every once in a while, keep running, but look up and see who's around you on the right and the left. And if you find someone that interests you, he said, put your head back down and keep running. And then he said, look back up again later on to go, no, is this person still running the same race as you? And eventually you will find yourself in a spot where you have found a spouse that, that, that supersedes anything you could have imagined and actually fits the purpose and race you are running better than someone else. And that's not to say other people's races are bad. It's to say there is someone's race that's good for you. And I love it because if we do this, we accomplish what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7.35. He says, I'm not saying any of this for your own good, or for, for, I'm saying this for your own good. I'm not saying this to restrict you. I'm saying this that you may live in a right way, meaning there's a wrong way, that you will live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. And you're like, I don't, this sounds like becoming a monk or a nun. That does not sound enjoyable. No, what I believe Paul's hitting on here is a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord means you're in relationship with the God who created you and you're doing what he created you to do. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like the best way I could ever live my life. And in no way did I do this perfectly, but looking back, I did do this. And again, I stumbled through it in ways, but I did do this. And it's entertaining. If you want to hear the story, it's going to take a hot minute. But I ended up starting to date Allie, and I broke up with her, and I spent a year convincing myself that she was not the one. She knew the whole time, but that's besides the point. And I, I just, I started running my race. And I will tell you, that year of my life was hard, and I did not do it perfectly, but I, I, I listened to more podcasts. I spent more time in God's Word. And still to this day in youth ministry and what I'm doing today, Today, there are still things that were birthed in that year of my life that will forever drive me till the day I die. And I spent countless hours. I had very limited friends. I, I felt lonely and I kept trying to get out of it, but I kept running. I kept running and it was hilarious. And again, it's an awesome story. Sasser's actually the one who was like, well, like, if you thought about dating Allie again, I was like, there's no way, blah, blah, blah. And it started getting my mind thinking. And then like a month later, my mom had confer confirmation from the Lord that Allie was going to be my wife. I was like, okay. So I, and I didn't tell Allie any of this, but I just started pursuing her. And now she's my wife and she's one of the greatest gifts I have ever received. And I believe she's a great uh, gift of the grace of God in my life, but also because I was more concerned with running the race towards God than I was finding the right spouse. If you run the right way, race, he will bring you the right spouse. And so again, I am talking to a diverse, diverse crowd. In next service, I'll probably have more single teens in the room, so I can say this with more emphasis. But I'm going to talk to all the parents and grandparents and mentors in the room. Your job is to help save pain in a single person's life. Just think of the influence. I go back through my life, and my parents made me dodge so many bullets. I may have not liked them at that point when they did it, but they did it in such a wise way that I look back now and go, no, they helped me in this process. And that's the power of singleness. That's the power of someone stepping in and helping. And so what I wanna do today, and I don't wanna make anyone feel uncomfortable, so this is not something you have to do. You guys can dim the lights back there. Like I had said, whether for a season for a lifetime, singleness is always a gift, and your perspe perspective on anything else, as anything else, sorry, other than a gift is a missed opportunity. And what I wanna do today is I wanna, I wanna pray over the different gr groups of people in this room. 
And like, I'm going to say general prayers, but I want us to do, do this as a community. So if you, I want everyone's, well, I guess it's not, that's not going to work. I lied. I lied. Um, what I want to do is if you are single today and you're like, I, I'm bold enough right now to say this message spoke to me and I want prayer for more purpose and more wisdom in the season, would you raise your hand boldly? And if not, it's totally fine. But if you are single today, would you raise your hand if you want prayer? Thank you. Thank you. So what I want us to do is the body of Christ... All of you knew what it was like to be single. These people that just raised their hand, I'm going to pray, and I want us to surround them with hands. And then married people and dating people, you're next. But just surround right now. Stand up and surround. Let's surround these people. And if, and if you're like, I'm too shy to do this, it's, it's fine, huh? Raise, raise your hand again. Raise your hand again. Thank you. Thank you. And what I want to do today is I want to pray specifically over them. They're being bold enough to share authentically with you. They want more wisdom and more purpose in this season. And so let's pray like they just did that. God, today I thank you for these individuals. And even the ones that are single that didn't, that didn't raise their hand. God, I pray right now, God, over their hearts and over their lives. God, if the desire of their heart is to be married, I believe you do not put desires in people's hearts to then make them suffer their whole life. So if that's the case, God, there's a spouse out there for them that's just perfect, God. And I pray that they would have wisdom to wait. God, if there's single people in here that are already past that season, God, reinvigorate, recall purpose to their life. God, I pray that there will be such a purpose, God. It does not matter if you are married or not. You created us with purpose, and it's not a hindrance to be single, God. God, so I pray that there would be an undivided devotion that would rise up in the lives of these individuals, God, and I thank you for it. God, I pray that they would be world changers in the environment that they are in. God, that their purpose would shine through, God. God, and that they would seek you so hard, forgetting the things of this world, remembering that they're passing away. God, and there's, 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 there's greatness on the other side. And we just thank you for that. Now I wanna pray for all the dating people and married people. And so if you're bold enough to say, I'm not, and I, when I'm asking you to raise your hand. I'm not like saying you have to admit your life sucks or your marriage is imperfect. I'm just going, if you have the desire that you want to respond and go, God, I want some purpose in my dating and, and married relationship today, would you guys stand to your feet? And then we're gonna surround them today. So if anybody, else, if anybody wants to do it, I'm standing, even though I don't know where Allie went, I'm standing and I could use prayer because I always want more purpose. Come on, is there anybody else? I, like, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna be rude, but I, like, I feel like there should be some more people that are going, no, I, I want purpose on my life. I want purpose on my life. Thank you, yes. So again, gather around them today. We're gonna pray. Church, I think we have been so calloused over this COVID season, we forget that you sometimes have to respond. God ain't gonna just respond. You sit in your seat doing nothing. Come on. God, so today I just thank you for these people. God, I thank you for their purpose. God, everyone that's standing and not standing. God, I know that everyone in here struggles with insecurity and lack of purpose. God, and I wanna see the city of Salem change. God, I wanna see their families change. God, I wanna see the people around them change. God, so today in conviction and power, God, in spirit, God, I pray that you would reinvigorate the purpose, God, in their life. God, too many people waste it. God, I have wasted it. I have wasted seasons of it. God, and when I get to heaven, the only thing that's gonna matter is how I use that purpose. So I pray that there would be a holy conviction birthed in each one of these people, God, for that purpose. And on top of that, God, I pray that there would be a power and wisdom, God, that they would be a grandparent that is an amazing grandparent to a single person, God, that they would be a parent that is an amazing parent to a single person. God, there's some people in here today with kids that are not even close to dating, God, but I pray that right now there would be seeds birthed in their heart, God, to help them, their kids walk through that season. God, and we just thank you today. God, we glorify you today. God, you are so, so good. God, you are so, so good.
And we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. So you guys can take a seat unless you just want to keep praying. I'm going to pray just one more time. And I would just really encourage you, and I, I don't want this to sound manipulative because this is something God's working on in my heart. So I'm not trying to put something on you that you do not need to have. God has really challenged me in my life recently to not waste moments. And the power of moments is not waiting for them to happen, it's making them happen. And so a lot of us, I'm not going to lie, I sit here and I can check out so many services. And I'm not saying this just because people didn't respond today. I want you to come into church every single time and go, I'm getting something today, or I'm giving something to someone around me today. And on top of that, I want it to spread into our community. I want to be people that walk around going, no, I want to make moments happen because God's given me the power to do it. God put the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead inside of you. I don't know about you, but there should be some belief walking around that I have the power to change the environment I'm in. And so let's not, let's not walk around forgetting that. So God, today I just pray over each individual here. God, I believe that they're a place where they need to be, God. And if some of them, I know me, and when I've heard sermons like this, God, I know that some of them may be doubting, going, I made poor decisions in the past, or I'm just not doing good right now. God, I pray that the lies of the enemy would, would not be in, the, in their life any longer. God, that the Holy Spirit would come in, God, and would speak life. God, this Zoe life, God, that is life that is only a gift from you, God, that we possess when we step into a relationship with you. God, and we just thank you for it today. I thank you for this community. God, use them. God, grow them. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. With that being said today, you guys are dismissed. Thank you for coming. I encourage you again to uh, come to Easter next week. If you would like prayer, our prayer team is coming up front. And I encourage you to come get prayed for. We'll see you in the weeks to come. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.